This is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast or and whichever one, leave <laughs> us a review with all the stars. Yeah. Welcome back, Hemant. Thank you. You've been back in the country for what, 12 hours? Not even. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been gone for like three weeks. Just got back this morning. It's mm-hmm. Friday. I'm glad to be home. This is but his, it was a good trip. His first move was like, I gotta get on <laughs> I gotta get on that podcast too. I know, I know. That is how the schedule works. No, it's just nice to kind of like get out of the house and mm-hmm. so, yeah. so you didn't love being in a tiny cruise ship cabin with two very small children? Yeah, so we took a small family vacation, but uh, I will tell you the really neat part of this trip, because it was, the reason I was there, I, I was in Greece and it was part of a research thing. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a week long um, and then after that, we just appended a family trip as best we could. But uh, it was a research trip that was basically uh, for a week in uh-huh. this monastery, cool. um, which was like abandoned. It doesn't function as a monastery. It's owned by like a university uh-huh. now. But they kind of put together a whole bunch of researchers who have done work on demographics and atheism in some capacity um, so a bunch of researchers whose papers I've read and written about at times. So that was neat. Were you fangirling? Totally. <laughs> and they put together some PhDs who really study this stuff. Uh, computer programmers who don't necessarily know about the religion stuff, but they're really good at putting together these computer simulations mm-hmm. of stuff. And then policy people who really focus on religion and all politics. And mm-hmm. that's why I was there. And oh, that was, that oh, was that, my role. That's your that was expertise. My role. I was wondering what it yeah, was. I don't know why I was there. <laughs> um, but they kind of put us all in these groups, and we were talking about a bunch of stuff that uh, trying to com- come up with computer simulations uh-huh. to talk about demographics. It's, it's way more cooler than I'm making it out to be, but it'll hopefully result in a bunch of research papers coming out that's really over the neat. next year or two. So, like, thing to be a yeah, part it was of. a really neat chance to get to talk to these really smart people for a week mm-hmm. um so yeah but glad to be home so there's a whole bunch of stuff i want to talk about because i haven't been able to talk about any of this with yeah. anyone for several weeks so but. yeah so ann and i did a news recap um about two weeks ago and then we put up a um an interview you did last yeah. week so we're like you and i are catching up it's on been like three weeks of stuff lot. almost but most of the stuff i want to talk about kind of happened in the past week okay but let's let's start with um a story that uh it was a big deal which is the ireland story so yes. they had this referendum to and i'm just looking for my stuff on it but yeah, they have this huge referendum to overturn the their, Eighth Amendment. The Eighth Amendment, which which not specifically but effectively banned abortion. Like it's definitely one of those things that like th- the wording isn't in, explicit, but it is implicit. Um, and it's been um, and so the, it, contextually, it's really interesting because obviously Ireland is a uh, fairly Catholic um, country. And so they do have many laws, that, and we've talked about them on this, so the abortion thing, gay marriage was not legal for a very long time, which is not specific to Ireland, um, but also they, we talk, we've talked about the blue laws before of you can't sell alcohol on specific days um, in Ireland. So and it was just three years ago that the, um, the country legalized same-sex marriage in a popular vote, um, and now they did the... Uh, the overturn the eighth and there was a huge social media campaign. So it was, um, home to vote was the thing. And it was people. So a bunch of people with citizenship in Mm -hmm. Ireland came back. Yes. Just to vote for that issue. And it was 
exciting and overwhelming. It was a really exciting day. Like it was about two thirds who voted to overturn it, which I think all forecasts said it would probably get overturned. But that was a bigger, what, what really surprised a bigger margin me, than we expected in 1983 when they uh, instituted the eighth. It was like two thirds. It was like 66 to 33 um, in favor of banning abortion. Mm-hmm. And this time, when they had the vote, it was completely reversed. It was like 67 to 33 you against... You said that was 1983. Yeah. And so the, the influence of the Catholic Church between then and now has dripped, has gone away so much. Yes. And I think two things are super interesting about that. One is that you're right, like there has been a literal flip-flop on, on uh, popular opinion. But also the fact that this this law wasn't passed till like almost my lifetime, I was born in 1985. I, I feel like most people who have heard of this, and certainly I did before I like looked into it, I assumed it's just been one of those things that's always been on the books and whatever. It's just one of those things that always has been and they haven't. They enacted it within our lifetime. That's, they enacted it long after like Roe v. Wade. Right. Like more than So a that's decade. just a really interesting sort of peek into sort of the late 20th century yeah. um, Catholic Church, I guess. Yeah, and it shows you how much their influence has faded because, again, with mm-hmm. the marriage equality thing, the church opposes that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the abortion thing, too, you know, the, I mean, the church wasn't even actively campaigning right. uh, against it because I think they knew we're going to hurt the cause. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the people who wanted to protect the Eighth Amendment mm-hmm. and ban abortion, they were almost secular in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. or at least making secular arguments for why you shouldn't, why abortion should be banned, and they lost. But again, like, think about what the church has done in the past, whatever, 20, 30 years. It's, we're not just talking about the sex abuse scandals. Right. They have been wrong on so many simple moral mm-hmm. issues. They had the... They talked about the Magdalene laundries where they basically abused these women in Ireland. Oh, f- is that the one where they like stole women's children and said they were stillborn and like that could be? I uh, couldn't th- remember. Off I know top there of my is head, at but- least something that um, these uh, I think it was nuns who women unwed mothers would go have babies. They would tell the mothers that they're stillborn and Jesus. And know, again, this is what the Catholic Church is known for now, especially in Ireland. And yeah. so they knew that the Catholic. Irish Catholic concern about abortion just was a non-entity here because no one cares what the church has to say about these things. Which is so interesting because the Catholic Church is the official church of Ireland, right? Uh, Is is that their official religion? Oh, God, I don't want to speak out of turn. I know. Do some research, damn it. But, I mean, (laughs) we're talking like 90% of people in Ireland call themselves Catholic. And, And maybe this isn't a good comparison, but I think it's interesting that, like, Great Britain has their church. There is the Church of England yeah. that is, and they have a really low religi- religiosity. Nations rate. with official religions have very Doesn't low religiosity Sweden, in practice. Sweden, Norway. I mean, all the Scandinavian countries too. Even if they I, they might they might have an official church, but again, when you have church and state mixing, it's bad for religion, which is yeah. something that church state separation people in say. the U.S. point out all the time. Yeah. Like, separation of church and state is good for both sides. Right. Um, and so, so that's one thing. Yay, Ireland, fine. I wanted to point out an article that came out a few days ago, and this is from Focus on the Family. Cool. Jim Daly is the guy who runs it, Focus on the Family. You might think of it as the organization that's anti-gay, but as we've talked about before, they're now a mega church. 
officially. Cool. <laughs> but anyway, again. he basically wrote a condolence letter to the people of Ireland because Brother. you're all very depressed right now. Here's what he was trying to do. He wanted to warn them because of this horrible decision they have now made. Here's all the horrible things that are now going to happen because abortion will be legalized, oh, at God. least to some extent. Wait, wait. Is one, women will have access to safe and legal abortions. Is that the only thing? Uh, that is not what he wrote. Wait, what? I know. <laughs> I can't Here's, believe it. There are a few things worth pointing out. Uh, some of them were just like, you know, you're going to have uh, whatever typical, you know, uh, the devaluation of the the human yeah i mean form. i i hate human humans but that's separate and apart from my pro choice <laughs> values right like you expect <laughs> the conservatives to say some of the the things things like um uh, a decline in the birth rate well yeah if you have a board legalized abortion there might be a decline in the birth rate but that's not necessarily a bad thing depending on who's getting the abortions or in general um and also, I mean, he's also said things like, we're going to have a devaluation of human life. Um, okay, sure. whatever. That's their opinion. They're wrong about it. But whatever. Sounds like Fine. science to me. I know Let what Let me bring up about. a couple of the other things he pointed out. Yeah. The rate of stillborn births Mm-mm. will increase, Mm-mm. which is a complication that can occur after a woman's had an abortion. Um, okay. That is not true. That's not how any of that no, works. There is no evidence that says if you've had an abortion, you're more likely to have Wait, a stillborn child. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Because I definitely yeah. misunderstood what he you said. He said the rate of stillborn Still births, uh-huh. so you gave birth to a child, it's not alive, right. will increase. Because... Or maybe you haven't given birth, but the baby, uh, the fetus, whatever, is is dead. Right. Um, it's going to go up because you've had an abortion. Okay, so I'm sorry. I just want to be clear. Yeah. What he's connecting to is I had an abortion five years, five years ago. ago. Now I, you're going to have more likely to okay. have a stillborn child. What I heard was yeah. definitely that like a woman had an abortion and then she, like that same that pregnancy was, was stillborn. Right. I was no, like, no, that's no, no. super not how abortions right. do. No, so he's saying the next birth <laughs> really? is more likely to be See, stillborn. That, this but, is the shit that really upsets me because that like, you can say spiritual, whatever. You can say moral, whatever. It's all sort of like touchy-feely, ambiguous language. When you say things like that, those mean things to people. And when people hear that kind of rhetoric, it 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 changes their decision-making. And I, it just, it's very, it sucks. And it there are a lot sucks. of things health-wise that may contribute to a stillborn birth. Uh. And I'm looking at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This is the government website. Some of the things they bring it up to, if you are a teenager, maybe not yet ready to give birth, really? that could do it. If you're older, 35 or older and giving birth, All right. that <laughs> could do it. Uh, being uh, obese, smoking cigarettes during pregnancy, uh, having had a previous pregnancy loss. These are all contributing oh. factors to stillborn babies. Do you think he spun off if you had a previous pregnancy loss? The only thing because I could think of. that's not a cause of. and effect thing, right? Well, this is, is the it? only thing I could think of. If if the argument is if you've had an abortion, then maybe your future pregnancy could uh-huh. result in a stillborn child. It's well, you're you're older now. Sure. Like there are other things that have happened to you since then, uh-huh. and maybe there is a correlation between you know your first pregnancy yeah. versus your next you one. You are a person who does not easily sustain a pregnancy or something. Yeah, and I think he's but he's making the wrong. I mean, again, this yeah, is statistics one hundred and one. Yeah. But he's making that assumption. and it, But again, there is no connection between abortion to stillborn. Mm-hmm. There may be other factors in place. So whatever. That one is a lie. 
Yeah. Another thing he brought up. Irish women who abort Uh-oh. will suffer Uh-oh. a higher risk for depression, substance abuse, and suicide. Yikes. Nope. And his face, I've never had an abortion, and I'm super depressed. <laughs> like, abortion doesn't lead to any of those things. <laughs> no. By the way, he didn't provide links for any of this stuff. What? He didn't cite his sources? No. I've never heard of a thing. Um, and one of the uh, bloggers who has written about this even said, like, a 2016 study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association found the exact opposite to say, uh, one, well, maybe not the exact opposite, but they said, we found no evidence that women who have abortions develop depression, anxiety, low self-esteem for immediately or for five years after the abortion. When do they care about low self-esteem? Like, Jesus. Um, You know what did cause poorer mental health outcomes? Being denied an abortion. Yeah. That actually happened. Um. Are you, do you have more on this particular story? Those are the two things he mentioned where I'm just like, that's factually not true. These are just scare tactics. The propaganda they sort of use to, to yeah. tell people abortions are evil. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is, and by the way, I think this is part of the reason the Ireland anti-abortion side lost the race. Uh, they lost that vote. It's because they always seem to rely on lies mm-hmm. to spread their message. Yeah. Because the facts don't back them up. Right. They want to tell you that, like, here's what your fetus, you know, this bloody fetus looks. That's not how abortions work and, in and, most and, cases. And when you're leaning on lies, it only takes, like, a tiny sliver of truth to be like, oh, okay. Like, because I feel like that's how the, uh, in the 1980s, 1990s, the Just Say No campaign was a lot like that. Of, like, you can be addicted to drugs after smoking pot once. And right. people, like, smoked right. pot once. And we're like, well, that isn't how that works. So that's right. what oh. else are you lying to me about? Exactly. And one other thing that Jim Daly said in that same piece is he perpetuated that myth that Planned Parenthood sells dead fetus parts Jeez. to, like, raise money. Something like that, which he said uh, Planned Parenthood sells, quote, aborted preborn baby body parts. That's yeah. not what they do. Tiny, tiny hands and tiny, tiny feet. That's We're talking what they sell. about organ donation, tissue donation, yeah, fetal stem donation. Cell donation. Yes, and they get reimbursed for like shipping and handling when they sent those to scientific labs for mm-hmm. testing. Because um, the other alternative was to throw it away. So right. they were like, well, if these people want to use it for research, we can like give us the shipping costs, reimburse whatever. This has been exposed. This has been debunked repeatedly, and yeah, he's but perpetuating you, but that. But that phrase is out there enough. Selling baby parts has right. just kind of permeated the culture, and so it doesn't. You, there's no way to stop it anymore. No, you, you can't stop the perpetuation of the lie. But you would think someone who's like, let me make an argument for why Ireland did something wrong, right? Might want to rely on some facts. Or at least his opinion. Right. And not... Not lies. Yeah. And the what I think is interesting is I think one of the first things he said was there's going to be a, a lower birth rate. Was that? Or a decline in birth rate? Yeah. He also said that in his piece that there's going to be a lower birth rate. Um. So what I, <laughs> what I think about that that's really interesting is I just saw a think piece. I'm going to see if I can find mm-hmm. it. But um, it was just essentially like, yes... Millennial women are having fewer kids than Gen Xers, baby boomers, and why is that? And so people talk about, oh, it's birth control and abortions. I guess is what they what they complaining on, but what they're not taking into which that's true. Birth control necessarily is going to mean like fewer people have kids, but what they're not taking into account is 
why they are not why are they are choosing not to have kids not just like oh they don't care about they don't care about anything but themselves and they don't want to be tied down the truth is that child care is incredibly expensive working mothers get shit from most companies the american government does not care about maternity leave and requiring it our our the united states maternity and paternity leave policies are so arcane that I just think it's hysterical that these people are talking out of both sides of their mouth that, oh, the like, like, just, like, clutching their pearls that, oh, the birth rate is declining. As if that's, I mean... If that's the goal, to have, like, a bigger birth rate, larger birth rate... Maybe we should help. And also, like, let's... Yeah, maybe economically speaking, it could be tricky, but, like, why do you give a fuck about the birth rate? Like, why... Really, though? They're not doing really, it for economic. Though, yeah. Why do you care? That's the thing that's always... Bug- like, oh, people are going to have kids. Okay, that's super fine. Um, anyway, yeah, we'll the, I guess right. my point... And my point... W- and I will say this on every podcast until we get canceled by no one. Nobody yeah. can cancel mm-hmm. us. Is if people were pro-life, if people wanted happy, healthy, healthy, safe children, they would put, they would get away from this anti-abortion garbage and advocate for childhood health care, for um, childhood, uh, like helping working moms, helping single moms. The situations that may spur women to say, I can't take care of this child. Yeah. I'm not ready for a child. I don't want a child. And I think that's definitely a thing worth talking about is, Okay, we know X amount of women have abortions per year, and and why is it? So if they are, if they accidentally got pregnant with somebody they didn't know, or somebody they don't like, or somebody who's an abuser, and maybe they don't want to be tied to that person for the rest of their child's life. Okay, but if there are people who have abortions because they're like, I cannot afford another child, another child, because many abortions are done by people with with children already. If you want to, if you pro-life writ large anti-abortion people want to dig into something dig into that like why why does a woman say i cannot afford to have a baby right now maybe that should be your concern instead of picketing outside right. planned parenthood don't fight against abstin like fight ab- don't push abstinence only sex education that makes it worse that makes it more likely that a woman's going to need an abortion uh, stuff I don't like think that that's true i think we've always found that abstinence only listen <laughs> teenagers have never had sex never, before ever. until condoms and i think we've said this uh, or at least it's not news but like over the obama administration the abortion rate went down sure because did. they were pushing for the policies that take into account those circumstances and that's gonna change now because they're undoing a lot of that yeah i think that's also and, and again this is something that people when you can't reason when you don't reason yourself into an opinion you can't be reasoned out of it right so when we saw abortion rates fall under obama what, like time and time again every country every society every generation we see the more access to birth control the more access to uh sex education the fewer unwanted pregnancies the fewer single mothers there are and that like we know we we have the answer right here right like the way to cut down on teen pregnancy is give kids condoms give kids birth control give kids sex education so they know how you get pregnant because you know kids don't kids really don't know how you get pregnant and i'm not being like the, the people i know in my life have been like wait that's how you get pregnant like to me in their 20s we know how to reduce abortions. We know how to reduce teen pregnancy. They just don't want to do that. And for the life of me, I don't know why. Because they don't. And rent. They don't actually care. No, they don't. They don't want to so know. So what do they care about, I guess, is my question. 
we should ask them. I should ask them. Let me talk about another story that came up while I was gone that this is one of those things where I'm just like, I'm about to step on a plane for a 10-hour flight. Oh, God. And this comes in as I'm walking onto my seat, and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Donald Trump issued a pardon for Dinesh D'Souza. Yeah, so this is not a guy who's on my radar. Sure. So here's what he did that he was guilty of, which is why he needed a pardon, I guess. But uh, in 2014, basically, he was trying to uh, get his college friend elected to the Senate from New York. But again, any individual can only give a certain amount of money as a contribution. So basically, he urged other people to give her money for her campaign, and then he reimbursed them for their contributions, meaning he personally kind of paid for $20,000 of gifts that to her campaign. That sounds very chill and legal. It's, yeah, it's totally, totally illegal. Um, that's what they find. They find him for that, and they sentence him to five years of probation. And, mm-hmm. of course, it's it's a stain on his reputation. Not that it was very good to begin with. Yeah, yeah that, um, that's this what's is, really stained his reputation, I guess. <laughs> so it's a campaign financing. This is what Donald Trump pardoned him for. Mm-hmm. Now, why should he be on your radar? Here's here's some of the stuff he's... He is a longtime uh, conservative Christian type who said so much crap about atheists... Um, he's the sort of person who has said in debates, like, I don't know why all these new atheists talk about atheism. They don't talk about unicorns, which is not the worst thing you could say. But again, he <laughs> has said about atheists, they hate God. Sure. They are wounded theists. You get us. <laughs> <laughs> Their atheism, if you will, I'm quoting here, is a form of intellectual and spiritual revenge. Um, he said that. <sighs> cool, cool, he, cool, cool, cool. My favorite thing about uh, his conservative Christianity is a Christian magazine actually outed him for possibly engaging in an affair while secretly married. Wait, secretly married? Well, I'm sorry, he was married. They outed him for having an affair while he was still married before he got a divorce. And my favorite part about that is he did an interview with Christianity Today Uh regarding that gossip. And they asked him, basically, is this rumor true? And I'm going to quote here. When Christianity Today asked D'Souza directly for his response to charges of infidelity, he responded, quote, it's absolutely not the case um, that, um, that um, um, you know, it's, <laughs> look, the issue here <laughs> is that world, that magazine, is attributing to me an admission that I never made, is attributing sure. to me a quotation I never said, that to me is the problem, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, Way to wow! Way to that guy's yourself. got some media training. Uh, but it basically is a right wing, the Fox News type of right wing guy, and Donald Trump is basically gonna pardon everybody right. in that whole world. Well, also I've heard that that's sort of um, as much as it is what it is. It's also sort of winking at his like the Mi- the Michael the Cohen's of the, the world. Yeah, his and Russian say like, hey, hey, girl, people. like if you don't flip on me, right, I'll pardon, I'll you. pardon you, and everything will be cool. Right. Uh, D'Souza, by the way, pleaded guilty in court to doing all this. Wow. Uh, just FYI, the, the campaign finance thing. Yeah, so he's anyway. definitely the most wronged person in, in <laughs> American history, present day history. Um, super quick, I wanted yeah. to uh, 
that article I mentioned was on Huffington Post. Um, it was by Emily Peck. It's called uh, Everyone is Missing a Key Reason the U.S. Birth Rate is Declining. Subtitle, in the U.S. Women are Essentially Punished for Having Kids. So um, it is worth a read. It's very insightful and interesting. Also, my husband's going to get home in a couple minutes, and my dog's going to bark. Just, just a heads we'll up to everyone. It. Or we'll delete or it. Or we'll stop. Like anyway. We'll start editing now. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. has also said atheists are responsible for uh, murder, rape, and genocide because... Of Us personally? He- uh, yeah, I think he was talking about you. Oh, so, come on, dude. Rape, though? <laughs> Genocide, I'll take. All the horrible stuff. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> Let me... Uh, Here's a story that was fascinating. Tea, you know, no. Okay. Uh, no let me go fine. back to. You've been without a podcast for so long. I have so much stuff <laughs> I've been dying to talk about with anybody. Uh, <laughs> this is something. The Your wife doesn't want to sit and yell about politics with you. No. Why? I know. No one wants to talk about any of this stuff with me. So you're the. You have to suffer, <laughs> and all of you listening have to suffer. Okay, the Mormon Church, actual Mormon Church, released a statement last week. Okay. Out of nowhere, it seemed. Where they were talking about, you know, we're really good with finances. Yeah. And this is what they said. Resources used to carry <laughs> out. This. We're like, by the way, Let us tell our finances you are great. Yeah. So don't look into them for <laughs> sure. For sure. For sure. Much, that's what it looked like. But they were talking about how one of the things they talked about is we spend money on buildings and proselytizing and our mission trips. And here's what they said about where that money comes from. Resources used to carry out this work comes principally from the tithing donations of church members. Right. A small portion of funds comes from businesses maintained by the church. Oh. Okay. Okay. Like, whatever. Fine. I didn't know they had businesses, Um, but that makes sense, I'm sure. uh, They also said, they elaborated a bit about their kind of investments um, at a different point in their press release, because like, what do they mean by businesses? I'm just right? What? For the hammer to fall on yeah. this story. They said, uh, in addition to food, oh, they talked about how we set money aside for emergencies too, uh-huh. and they said in addition to food and emergency supplies, like God-related the, emergencies, maybe like God natural hasn't talked disasters, to a president in a minute? the apocalypse. I don't know. The church also <laughs> sets aside funds each year for future needs. Okay. These funds are added to church reserves, which include stocks and bonds, taxable businesses, agricultural interests and commercial and residential property, investments can be accessed in times of hardship okay. or to meet the emerging needs of a growing global faith. That, whatever. None of that sounds, that sounds particularly fine. weird. It's just like, okay, whatever. It's financial, fine print. Uh-huh. You own... I'm sure when you have a lot of money, you invested in that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. None of that's weird necessarily. But... And the whole point of the press release was we're handling it responsibly. What they didn't say, they didn't say how much money is in the businesses, what stock specifically they invested in, anything like that. And by the way, I should point out, they have not been transparent about their finances since, and there is a year attached to this, 1959. They have not disclosed how much money they make because they blossomed in after the 1950s. The dog knows it. Yeah. She's mad about it. <laughs> but they haven't been open because they haven't had to be. Uh-huh. So since 1959, no one knows how much money is going in or going out or anything like that, okay? Okay. Except what they tell us. So, for example, the Mormon Church has said, you know, last year we donated $40 million to humanitarian causes. But not they said this. specified. They didn't say where necessarily, but they said we gave away $40 million in 2017 to, okay. For a lot of... Okay, fine. Okay. Then, a couple days ago, Mormon Leaks, that website mm-hmm. where they print documents, 
they actually released information about 13 businesses that appear, by all accounts, to be owned by the Mormon church. Oh. And they know this for a number of reasons, based on government filings, based on the websites they were using and who owns those websites. Can You, you can look up the domain oh, registration sure. information. And none of these are like, we're not talking about like Office Depot. We're talking about investment companies uh-huh. whose job it is to invest your money. But the thing about it is the forms you got to fill out with the government when you're a business like this, you only have to fill out those forms if you're managing $100 million or more. Whoa. And there were 13 businesses that Mormon Links Whoa. found that were managing this money. Collectively, these, these uh, businesses, these investment firms, uh, are worth the collective $32 billion. <gasps> $769,914,000. plus billion. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Um, and some of the things, like all the domain names for these LLCs were registered to Intellectual Reserve, Inc., which happens to be the company that oversees all the intellectual property of the church. Can we talk about show company names for a second? <laughs> Guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, they have IP addresses that were also linked to by the church. Uh-huh. I mean, th- there's little doubt that these are church-owned companies. Uh, Ryan McKnight, a guy we've talked to who kind of runs Mormon League, started it up. He tried contacting the business managers of all 13 companies. Three of them picked up the phone. He said all three happened to work in the church's financial records department. And when one of them was asked, is your business owned by the Mormon church? She said, I can't answer that. (laughs) Really? (laughs) So a couple things about this. One is remember their press release from last week. Most of our money comes from tithing. A small portion of funds comes from businesses owned by the church. So they're either lying or they collect or $32 billion, billion is a small portion of their funding. <laughs> That's Jeez one Louise. thing. Then when you say we gave away $40 million in humanitarian that aid. That suddenly sounds not super impressive. Uh-huh. That's not a lot relative to how much you have, apparently, yeah. in the bank. Like... And it also keeps them like remember in 2008 when they the Mormon Church was really behind Proposition 8 and like trying to ban gay marriage so in now California. We have a better idea of how much money well, no was wonder, backing that. No wonder they can get behind political issues like that because they have money in the bank ready to fight what I don't know how much money they put into that campaign. But still, but like, they have money to I fight. I feel this like stuff. I had my hand like the Mormon Church is backing out, which is interesting and fine, but like it didn't equate into my head that this like industrial behemoth was backing them. It's like fucking yeah. Coca-Cola was backing them. Right, right. Um, <laughs> keep in mind, local church leaders, like your local elders, your people like that, they are not paid. These are volunteers for the most part. So they're not paying their staff, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Oh, that sure does make profits easier. <laughs> right. Sure tightens up those profit margins, huh? <laughs> um, they still want your tithe money. And a uh, couple things... Oh, one other thing that was really interesting. Uh, last month, the new president of the Mormon Church, because the old one died. And oh, so and this they guy's older. New, I remember talking right. about this. Russell M. Nelson is the new church president. He was kind of doing a tour. He was speaking in Africa, in Kenya, and he told the audience how they could finally overcome poverty. Oh, and he no, said, no. you know, we preach tithing to I'm the poor people this. of the world because the poor people of the world have had cycles of poverty, generation after generation. That same poverty continues from one generation to another until people pay their tithing. 
So, hey, poor people, give us your money. Jesus. Because that's how you're going to get richer. How fucking they dare have, they? And that, again, they have $32 billion just in those 13 businesses. How <laughs> many more businesses do they own? We don't even know. How much more money are they making in tithing? We don't know. Here's my question. Would it be too great a reach to call those kinds of things akin to pyramid schemes? Because technically in, speaking, I don't know if that's an accurate no, description. No, I mean maybe but not technically, but like in spirit of like if you just invest some money, you're gonna get a ton of money back. And like we've all sort yeah. of agreed that pyramid schemes are not <laughs> super cool, right? I, so I don't know if it's a pyramid scheme, but again, when we uh, John Oliver did that bit about televangelists yes. saying like televangelists do this all the time, give yeah. us your money, it's a seed, oh my god, it's their favorite game, and you'll make money even though you won't. Um, and it, but if you don't, it's your fault because you didn't pray good, <laughs> right? And and th- they're playing the same game here. Yeah. And the thing is, who like who actually knows about the church finances? You would think the guy at the very top of the food chain, Russell Nelson, would know their financial status. So when he's telling these people in Kenya, you know, we need your tithes. That is how you overcome poverty. Of all the people who knows how much money they make are in they, the, and having these businesses, he's one of them. Are they at least framing it like if you tithe, that will establish a Mormon church in this part of Kenya mm. and we will bring in our economic resources? <laughs> that is not what he said. Is so. that what he could... I'm, I'm sorry, I... Could he I say tr- that? I mean, he could try, maybe, I'm just maybe, trying to, like, give the most... I know. Like, mm. can, I just need to believe that people aren't, like, completely evil and maybe just kind of shitty... This is no. This is about. This is just shitty. Yeah. And so, if you're a Mormon, just FYI, like this, your tithing is going to a company that doesn't need it. The church is doing just fine. And again, we don't know how fine they're doing, but this small glimpse into their bank statements, more or less, right. tells you there's so much more under that iceberg. You know, uh, billions. This is the tip of it. Tens of billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. Want to go to a happier story? Yeah. Um, let guess. me tell you why school shootings happen. <laughs> oh, hey, I have a bunch of reasons why school oh, shootings good. happen. Why do school shootings happen? Don't worry. I have a lot of really good hot takes. Oh, good. So, um, just to so, um, Ann and I actually recorded the day of or the day after the Santa Fe, Texas yeah. school shooting. It was, we didn't talk about it at that moment because it wasn't necessarily relevant to what we were going to talk about. But it turns out people have some really cool hot takes about why school shootings happen. My brother's calling me. Hey, Kev, I can't answer your phone. Um, so Priorities. Podcast yeah, yeah. over family. You're welcome, always. fans. Gross. Um, <laughs> so I think what you would like to talk about is probably Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. That's not even what I was going to talk no? about. What Wait, did Dan Patrick say? Is it say? Diane Black? That is what I wanted okay, to talk about. Okay, well, let's start with her. Go <laughs> talk about her. So Republican Congresswoman Diane Black, she's from Tennessee. Her answer to what causes school shootings is the availability of pornography, but uh. not just porn. It's the porn that is available on the shelf when you walk in the grocery store, unquote. Quote, it's available on the shelf when you walk in the grocery store. Yeah, you have to reach up and get it, but but there's pornography there. She continued, <laughs> she continued all this available without parental guidance. I think that's a big part of the root cause, which, LOL, do you think teens are getting porn from <laughs> grocery stores? <laughs> Diane, what? <laughs> First, what grocery stores is she shopping at? Yeah, I don't think I've seen anything more than like a Cosmo at at Playboy (laughs) in like my adult life. Yeah. Like no one buys porn. One. No one buys porn from grocery stores. Like, 
Girl, what? Like, when is she going to discover that the internet exists? I mean, hopefully never, because she can't handle that (laughs) kind of thing, I don't think. I don't think she could. So by her logic, like, every teenage boy and girl. Just really quick, I just want to walk through her her statement. So she yeah. says, so it's in the. Does she say checkout uh, on the shelf when you walk in the she grocery said store? The shelf. The so shelf. I'm just wondering because where I see magazines are always in like the checkout line. Okay, and there's so usually she, an aisle with oh, some magazines. You're right. I was because they're and, not porn. No, because what I was going to say is like I'm imagining those shelves that are maybe four feet high and like you have to reach for them. So like are you imagining like six year olds are like, nah, I'm in a grocery store unattended. I'm going to get a Playboy. Also, buy me a gun. Yeah, that's what she thinks happens. (laughs) Hey, I looked at this pornography. You know what I want is a fucking gun. Doesn't a gun sound really good right now? Yeah. That's um, yeah, Diane Black. Oh, and she's a U.S. Uh, rep who is running for government of Tennessee. So, Governor, hey, yeah. hey, Tennessee, yeah. maybe keep an eye out for that Otherwise, one. your grocery stores are going to be <laughs> ruined. <laughs> it's okay. amazing how far these people have to stretch to not mention access oh to guns. Oh, my God, how? Um, don't <laughs> worry, I have a few yes, other... go for it. <laughs> a few other hot takes. Mm-hmm. Uh Lieutenant Governor, uh, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has been in spotlight, obviously, because he has, again, hashtag hot takes vis-a-vis this recent shooting. And I don't mean to make light of the shooting. It's just these people are such idiots. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so uh, so he was at a press conference and he was asked, like, hey, there, this is the, as of the thing I read, and it could be out of date now, the 22nd uh School shooting of 2018. Also, have you heard the the stat? That's a little. Uh, we we can d- dig into it, but more kids have died in school shootings in 2018 than military. I heard that. That's, so it's it's sort uh, of a fallacious um, comparison because the numbers are di- so it's not a one. T- there aren't the exact same number of students as there are soldiers but it's still not great like no matter what no matter any way we should you never be saying it. there are more victims of right. school shootings than anything right um so anyway texas lieutenant governor dan patrick quote should we be surprised in this nation we've devalued life whether it's through abortion whether it's the breakup of families through violent movies and particularly violent violent video games which now outsell movies and music which i did a tiny bit. Of, so he said, psychologists and psychiatrists, like LOL, nihilism, science, cool dog, yeah. um, will tell you that uh, students are desensitized to violence, may have left, lost empathy for their victims by watching hours and hours of violent video games, which I want to be clear, I don't, like, I think there is an, a, a discussion to be had with regard to des- desensitizing young people to violent behavior. Fine, let's have that conversation. That said, the U.S., all we do is export, like, gun shit, whether it's video games or movies. That's all we do. So, like, interesting, super interesting that this hasn't been a worldwide phenomenon. As someone tweeted, and I think you retweeted or something, just someone in Australia, like, wow, you guys are worked up about Samantha Bee saying 
the you C can say word. Cunt. Yeah, say, yeah what, who's going to censor us? Um, you're, you're worked up about that. We're kind of worked up about all your people dying of school shootings. Yep. Yeah, I did retweet mm-hmm. that today. Um, he also, he went on to say 97% of teenagers, according to psychiatrists and psychologists, these these ambiguous psycholo- psychiatrists, yeah. uh, watch video watch video games, which is, he said twice now in the last two paragraphs, and I love that he says people watch video games like they're <laughs> movies. Um, yes, and I 80- watch Twitch, and then I <laughs> shoot up a school. <laughs> Um, and 85% of those are violent video games. So I did look that up because I was like, that doesn't sound uh-huh. right. It's actually not as wrong as I wish it oh, was. Really? Like, I definitely looked it up with the intention of being like, ha, in your <laughs> face. But he did pull that from a Christian Science Monitor article from 2008, which okay. isn't Fine. new or recent. Um, but it is worth note. Um, statistics, from what I found, there's not a ton um, statistics haven't changed significantly. Well, and none of these shooters are saying, I played Fortnite, so now I'm going to go to school. It's always like, oh, that girl said no to me when I asked her out. Yeah, we're going to get you to know? that. Um, and I also want to bring up that even give again, given this argument, given your premise, right, that violent video games cause violent behavior, if I grant you that premise, then you would have to explain to me why it is time and time again young white men who are committing this violence when they are not the only people playing these violent video games. I think it's something between 40 and 45% of gamers are women, and mm-hmm. you're not seeing this behavior. Same thing goes for bullying. People say, oh, it's bullying that that is causing these school shootings. Okay, well, I bet you'd see a lot more kids of color, special right, needs kids, right. women, like Other obese people kids, get bullied. dorks. Like, they're not, like, I was bullied hard in junior high, like, and it was not a, 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 anyway, it just, that sort of annoys me. So he said that. Was he the one who said the About doors? the exits? Yeah, 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 I got that next. Um, man, Dan Patrick was a, just a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. So he blamed too many exits and entry. So this has definitely been spun, certainly by sort of, the liberal Twitter, because that's sort of what we're good at, at reducing things to their most absurd point. What he did say was, from what we know, the student walked in with a long coat and a shotgun under his coat. Um, It's it's 90 degrees. Had there been one single entrance possibly for every student, maybe he would have been stopped. Right, because they would have checked him and they would have found him. Right. So I have many thoughts on that. One is like, fucking high schoolers are weird. They wear all sorts of dumb shit. I will tell you that right goddamn now. Um, the other thing is this is not a... like. Whenever I hear things like that of, oh, teachers should be armed, they should have bulletproof XYZ, they should have fewer entrances, I just feel like people are trying harder and harder to make schools into a prison. They're describing a prison. And... I guess I don't understand how a person can look at the problem that we have. So the problem that we have is violence in schools and specifically school shooters. We don't have an epidemic of people stabbing kids in class. We don't have an epidemic of kids driving their trucks into classes. I don't know. And so like you kind of mentioned before their, their effort to avoid the problem of guns is is so expansive that they're willing to say we need armed guards in every classroom. We need one entrance and Which one exit. Which somehow they find money for, not for anything else. Yeah, not school, for like but. fucking 
books. No. Like I just, it, it I just well, find it. And the other it, thing is, you're saying if we had one entrance, then everyone would come through. We could catch the kid with the gun. But the thing is, you're trying to solve a problem, like without getting to the root cause of the problem. Correct. You're, like, you're attacking the. Why do we have the, to the, buy more or find a solution for more security? Right. And not how did that kid get his dad's gun? And you're attacking the symptom and not the root. Right. Like these people should a civilian let alone a kid shouldn't have access right. to an, a weapon that is designed to murder people. Let's give teachers guns. It's like, how about just no, just no. Absolutely. It's, it's just all, get them away. it's all bonkers. It's all so next level. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I just, for some reason, the thing that really bothers me is when people are like intellectually dishonest for some reason, like I, I feel like if we're not having an honest conversation about the problem, then we're never going to find a solution. So when people talk about like it's not guns, it's X, Y, Z, I don't think you're being honest here because you're not doing anything to solve X, Y, Z. You're purposely oh, trying to avoid that conversation. Right. Or, oh, it's not guns, it's mental illness. Okay, what the fuck are you doing about mental <laughs> illness? Like since when, since when are the Republicans backing major initiatives to make sure people have like mental health screenings and mentally unwell people have a place to live where they're not a danger to themselves or their family or their community. Since when is that like a Republican thing? So, so don't talk to me about the, about it's everything but this when you don't even want to solve everything else. I thought them saying, you know, thoughts and prayers after school shootings was the dumbest thing they could say. Mm -hmm. And now it seems like they've kind of stopped doing that as much, but now they're going to the dumbest possible reasons. Instead, if we just solve this, everything will be okay. Yes. It's like, go back to saying thoughts and prayers. You were less dumb when you were saying that. Yes. And it's just, I don't know. I, it's, and this isn't like a fresh take from me, but like how, how can you be a person who is actually in power, a person who actually has the ability to make legislation to potentially make this stop and you are literally saying, like, our thoughts and prayers are with... Like, how how can you sleep at night? It's yeah. it's, it's unconscionable. Um, last it's hot... the Marco Rubio syndrome. Fucking Marco Rubio. ay 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 um, Last hot take from the Santa Fe school shooting. Yeah. Um, so, shit, I meant to look this up. Her name's uh, either Shana or Shanna Fisher. She is one of the first children who was murdered yeah. in her high school. She was 16 years old. Um, you may have heard about her because Fisher famously was harassed by the, the eventual shooter. He was asking her out. He was making advances of her to her over and over and over again. She kept saying no, and then finally, and he wouldn't stop. And finally, she said something in front of the class and embarrassed him in front of the class to get him to stop because she was being harassed by a person. Um, and so whether that was a triggering point for him or not, what the narrative became, and this is, uh, this is after, like, pulled from a quote from her mother who was saying she's been harassed by this guy for four months. And the narrative, the, the story, the headline that was pulled out of that is um, Reuters, spurned advances provoked Texas school shooting, victim's mother says. Or the Daily Mail, rejected advances may have spurned Santa Fe shooter. As if it was the girl's fault. As if it was the girl's fault. And in, again, like, uh, focusing, on, focusing on anything that isn't 
the actual issue at hand, which is gun violence and it's fucking male fragility and toxic masculinity. That's what the, like over and over we're seeing these men who, and boys who are lashing out because they're not getting everything they think they were promised. And, and this is where we are. And, and it's, uh, it's absolutely upsetting. And I, I want to, as a sidebar in my own sort of interests, um, do you know about the golden state killer? Have we talked? We've talked about it, I think, briefly. Yeah, um, so the Golden State Killer was a, um, a serial rapist and murderer who um, terrorized Northern California through the 70s, Southern California through the 80s. He was just caught um, a couple of weeks ago. It's been a huge thing. And so it's the Golden State Killer, because it was such a long, unsolved case, people were... there. You can analyze it a million different ways. And one of them was victims would say would hear him either muttering Bonnie or Mommy, and they weren't sure which it was. And so now that this man has been has been arrested, they find out he did have like a childhood sweetheart or like a, a young young relationship with a woman named Bonnie, and because they split up, he sort of went off the rails. And I swear to fucking God, the hot takes of like, did Bonnie like trigger the Golden State? And this is a man who broke into people's homes, tied up husbands, put plates on their back so he could rape the wives. And they're like, but Bonnie should have just gone out with him. He would have been totally fine. And so it not only is gross, not only is it shifting blame, but it's removing women's bodily autonomy by being like, you need to do whatever you can to placate the men around you. If that means fucking a guy you don't even like, so be it. Otherwise, For the he's good of society. Yeah, like how do <laughs> you awful. like how do you fucking like intellectually wrap your mind around that? Anyway, that was my thing about hot takes. Burn that piece of paper. Uh, here is a maybe happier. Okay, is that Paige Patterson? No. Now, sometimes I think I can read your mind and like know what That's you're going to okay. say next. I did want to talk about There's nothing. I don't have anything much to say. He got fired. And for a short time, they were giving him his retirement package oh. and calling him President Emeritus of his the, uh, seminary. Uh-huh. And then finally, they're like, a woman came forward and said, I was raped. Not by him, but like I was raped while I was a student at his school. Uh-huh. Went to him for advice. He said, don't report it and forgive your rapist. Cool. Uh, that's Chill for as a while. So when they eventually, the people who said, we'll keep you on board as President Emeritus, keep paying you, they said, you know what? We're taking away your retirement package too. Cool. Good. That's what you should have done. Yeah. Uh, I heard today he resigned from the board of directors from another Christian university. It looks like the fallout is finally happening. Not completely yet. Yeah. As far as I know, he's still speaking uh, scheduled to speak at the Southern Baptist it's Convention a important in a month or two. Uh, just read the notes um, that I wrote for this. It's circled. Uh, Paige Patterson. We talked about him before. He sucks. The Southern Ooh. Baptist did a good thing. I agree. Good <laughs> job with your notes. That's all I wrote. So um, I don't so, want to brag that I'm a really good researcher, but I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's pretty evident here. Yes. Here's a Here's a slightly happier story. There is, we've talked about this in some capacity before, but the question I would pose is like, who has the right to solemnize your wedding ceremony? Like the person who's saying the, do you take this man? Do you Uh take this woman? Whatever. Who gets to do that? that? Who gets to do that so that it counts, legally speaking? Well, me, because I am. Because I am an officiant of the Church of Life question. Oh, uh, the Universal Life Church. Yeah. So that's the thing that's what where I said. you can go online, pay some money, yeah. and you get ordained as a minister in this online church. Yeah. 
And the whole story behind that, like, why do you have to do that, is because in some states, the law says you have to be a religious minister in order to officiate a wedding and have it count under the law. Haven't, you know, I've never thought about mm-hmm. that in my entire that's fucking life. That's why you got to go to Universal Life Church, because that's the only way it counts, because they're technically a church, uh-huh. but really the whole church's purpose is to let you do the sort of thing you I did. I could have been Jedi Jessica. But you can't, you could have been Jedi Jessica too, yeah. But you can't just be Jessica, mm-hmm. even if you went through formal training as a humanist celebrant or a secular celebrant, like... Even if you went through the training to do that sort of thing, it wouldn't count. At least a few years ago in Illinois, where we are, it wouldn't have counted. And the only other people who get to perform it are judges or, you know, mm. certain government officials. Boat captains, if I remember anything goes really? correctly. Maybe in some states. I think states. that's a thing like ship ca- I mean, this is probably old, but if, I think ship captains. Maybe in some states, if you have a certain title or a government position or, or you're in the Navy. musical theater was lying yeah. to me. It's hard to say. Uh, so the thing is, in some states, you have to be a government official, like a judge, uh-huh. or you have to be a religious minister. But if you are a trained secular celebrant, no, doesn't count. Interesting. And so what we've seen in the past several years is, is a legal battle to try to change that. So in Indiana, for example, where atheists were essentially banned from <laughs> officiating these weddings. <laughs> just banned writ large. Just banned writ large. <laughs> uh, they filed a lawsuit saying we're, we're trained secular celebrants. Uh-huh. Let us perform these marriages so that they count. You shouldn't have to have your friend who's a secular celebrant officiate your wedding but then you got to go to the court to have it really count. You know what I mean? Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, which is what some people did. Like, my friend performs the ceremony, but I still got to get it signed off by the courts or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and they actually lost the initial battle, but then the appeals court said, you know what, we're overturning that decision. In Indiana now, if you're a trained secular celebrant, you're good to go. Um, in Illinois, that just happened last year. Whoa. They won that battle. Do I we need actually... to check on the weddings that I officiated to see <laughs> they... if they're legal? Your friends are not married. Oh, um, no, but you got the Universal Life Church thing, so it counts. Oh, okay. Um, but we actually talked to Galen Brodus, who was the plaintiff in that case last year. He won that case, but in Illinois, it's legal now. In Ohio, they try to legislatively change the law uh-huh. to just say anyone who went through training or whatever could do it. That bill didn't pass, so in Ohio, it's so still not an issue. Against it, um, and in Oregon, a bill like that did pass. Uh-huh. The argument against it is you have to be some sort of trained professional, but it's a religious thing; it's a wedding. So, uh, there's look. The answer is there's no reason okay. to say no. That's, that's all I needed. Uh, and the reason I bring all this up is in Michigan, this is the law too, where you got to be religious or uh-huh. you got to be a government official. Um, they just filed a lawsuit. The Center for Inquiry just announced uh, yesterday, I believe, that they have filed a lawsuit on behalf of two atheists who are secular celebrants Mm -hmm. and trained to perform these weddings, but they can't because the law doesn't allow it right now in Michigan. Hmm. Um, So they just sued, um, and they're saying the Michigan law violates the Constitution. It's religious discrimination, basically, saying we go through the same stuff religious people do, um, in order to officiate these weddings, mm-hmm. and yet you're discriminating against us. They actually pointed out, you know, why deny the same basic right to the religiously unaffiliated who make up a quarter of Michigan's population? Hmm. Um, one of the plaintiffs, actually, is Ed Brayton, who is a blogger at Dispatches from the Culture Wars. He writes at Pathios along with me. Um, so yay for that. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer Behan, who runs CFI Michigan, is the other plaintiff. Both of them know what they're doing. They're trained on this stuff. Really, there's no argument. Like, I don't see them 
hitting any obstacles in this yeah, lawsuit. I'm not this is sure not, how they could justify is, it. There's no ambiguity here. This is right. pretty clear cut. So good on them. I, I hope it keeps going. Um, Interesting. They actually filed a lawsuit against a county clerk, I believe, where they both live in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they filed it against their county clerk. Uh, though they could have done it against anyone in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, but Isn't it interesting, the fights that we're still having? Yeah, this is one of those stupid fights. Like, yeah. why do we have to fight for this one? They should fix this legislatively. By the way, in Michigan, they did try to ask their uh, elected officials to file a bill to change the law. Uh-huh. They got nowhere with it. Really? Which is why it's controlled by Republicans, Michigan is. So they got nowhere with it. That is why they have to resort to a lawsuit. Interesting. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of lawsuits, let me talk about another one that came to a conclusion this week. Um, And this is an interesting case because it comes from Michael Newdow, who was the guy who tried to get under God out of the Pledge of Allegiance or declared unconstitutional. And the little bit of technical history you need to know about his case is he wanted to get under God out of the Pledge of Allegiance, or at least he said the pledge is unconstitutional if you're making kids say it because of the words under God. Mm -hmm. And in the Ninth Circuit in California, the appeals court that oversees California where he lives, which is considered the most liberal appeals court in the country, Mm -hmm. the three judges who randomly got assigned to this particular case, two of them said, yeah, you have a good point, and said the saying the Pledge of Allegiance is unconstitutional. Right. It got appealed to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, basically on a technicality, we're going to dismiss the whole case so it's legal again. Whatever. This is what happened years ago. Right. So his latest argument is he's trying to get in God we trust off of our money. And his argument here is, by putting in God we trust on the money, you're basically, it's government establishment of religion. and It's like the definition of it. Yeah, kind of. And the thing is, here's what's interesting. You would think he would say this isn't a violation of the First Amendment, the Mm -hmm. Establishment Clause. You are a government establishing a religion. He's actually taking a different approach on this case. He's actually pulling a Hobby Lobby, saying this violates my religious freedom because basically... I'm being forced to use this legal tender? Yes, Mm -hmm. and you're making me violate my religious views. Here's what he basically says. uh, For those who feel that being forced by the government to carry a message that violates my religious ideals, it's substantially burdensome on my religious views. So he's using the Hobby Lobby argument sure. that got them out of providing contraception Which to women. Which was gross then, and I'm not <laughs> thrilled about its use now, sure. but... Now, his strategy here is this. There are 12 circuit courts in the nation. Uh-huh. He's going to go to every single one of them. And one of them is going to... And maybe one of them would say, you have a point, and then by all means, take it to the Supreme Court, and maybe there's some success there. <laughs> um, but he's trying to use a different argument than the Establishment Clause, because we've had that argument, right. and basically every court has said, in God we trust isn't saying a particular God. It's a ceremonial thing. It's ceremonial deism. Like... We're not going to argue which that is, in God we trust is a promotion of religion or an endorsement which of religion. Which is so silly. It's which so silly, silly on its face. But unfortunately, this is the way the courts have ruled. Right. So this is why he's trying the other strategy. Well, in this case, he actually put out a call on my website, like trying to find plaintiffs for these cases. Huh. He actually got a whole bunch of them. In one particular case, and this is one that covers the appeals court that oversees Michigan and Ohio, mm-hmm. Um this had, they had 41 plaintiffs, um, and they were fi- including 
uh, unnamed parents and their kids, named individuals, the Michigan Atheists, a group, the Northern Ohio Free Thought Society, and in fact, one Jewish rabbi who Whoa. signed on to it too. And what they said is the defendants have substantially, the, the government has substantially burdened the plaintiffs in the exercise of their atheistic and similar beliefs <laughs> by requiring <laughs> them, by requiring them as the price to pay for using the nation's coins and currency bills to personally bear a religious message that is the antithesis of what they consider to be religious truth. Yeah. In the case of the Jewish rabbi, they were using the word God, oh, and which is what he didn't like on it. Too. Yeah. And um, so anyway, this was their argument. Uh, God. A lower court said, this is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Tossed it. Yeah. So they went to the appeals court, which is part of his strategy. And the interesting thing here is, this is what happened this week. The three judges who got assigned to this case, uh-huh. they lost. But they lost two to one. It wasn't unanimous. Oh, I see. And so had one more judge gone in their direction and said, you have a point, there would be chaos <sighs> everywhere. What, do you, what are your thoughts happen. on this? I, it, you know, it's an interesting thing because, like, am I burdened by in God we trust on the money? No, I never think about it. And this is what but I found should interesting. should it be there? No, it shouldn't Probably be there. Probably also no. It shouldn't be there. Maybe we should we should have litigated this in the 50s when it got on there. But, but that, here's the 50s. This is where I think they were busy with poodle skirts. <laughs> this is where the lawsuit itself kind of you kind of roll your eyes at it because yeah. they have to argue in the lawsuit. Here is the burden right. on all of these plaintiffs. Let me read you some of the burdens that they is this, stated. Sorry, is this as like a class action suit or is this specifically it's not class action? It's specifically these, these okay. 41 people are saying this hurts us. Okay, and here's how. Um, example, plaintiff doesn't want to carry a religious message that is the antithesis of her, relig- uh, her atheistic beliefs. Plaintiff, a child, number one, anonymous, uh-huh. is made to feel that his beliefs are abnormal and not accepted by government or by society. Which is true. Okay. Another person, parent, anonymous, worries that his daughter will claim beliefs she doesn't actually hold just to fit in. I've done that. Another person. Uh, passing American money to others at times during foreign travel places him in the uncomfortable position of proselytizing for a religious notion that he finds false and repulsive. Huh. Uh, another person uh, spreading this monotheistic message against her will in a, is a lone, loathsome repudiation of her self-esteem. Hmm. So this is like them almost grasping at straws it trying is. to find reasons for to say in God we trust hurts us when the truth is I think all of us would be like well that shouldn't be there now let me buy this smutty magazine from a grocery store or, like, <laughs> that's, like, that's the entire thought process that or, goes into or using more the money accu- accurately they'd say I, I forgot what a five dollar bill looked like because I <laughs> use a debit card because it's 2018 right and honestly that is what the judge I think the lower court judge who dismissed the lawsuit is like no one's forcing you to use bills now more than ever yeah. like if this is seriously a problem for any of you people use a goddamn credit card is what the judge basically Which, said god this is a tricky one because <laughs> I do want to be very support because I do believe yeah. they are oh, if I may interrupt oh, yeah, yeah, you for please. a second the judge in the lower court said specifically, and I'm quoting here, credit cards and checks allow plaintiffs to conduct the bulk of their purchases and with checks. currency and checks with currency not inscribed with the motto. As for cash-only transactions, 
quote, such as a garage sale or coin-operated laundromat. (laughs) Throwing some shade there. Sure. The use of the motto on currency does not substantially burden your free exercise. Which, like, yes and no. (laughs) I get, like, listen, this is definitely a situation where I see all sides. Like, it's not a cute lawsuit. Like, it's not a good look for us. But but I also believe they're fundamentally right. It's just this weird squicky thing of, like, you have to fit yourself into the law and you have to give a legal argument because nobody would take me seriously if I rolled up to a court and was like, guys, this is bullshit and you know it. Right, like, and that, that doesn't work in courts. Which you is have weird to have because standing. I make really compelling <laughs> 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 arguments in that way. Yeah, it's, it is, it, it kind of reminds me of the, um, the uh, nativity scenes on like government property. Like, when those lawsuits are filed against nativity scenes, say at City Hall, the atheists say, I have to walk past this. Every, this is what they say. I have to walk past it every day. And it's a reminder that I am an outcast, mm-hmm. which actually fares better. And that lower court judge actually echoed what you're saying now and said, um, one, she said, like the Obergefell case, the gay marriage case. Uh-huh. She said in that situation, the plaintiffs who had to make an argument like, they were genuinely hurt by the law as it stood, and the laws affected all citizens equally, regardless Mm -hmm. of their religious beliefs. The judge actually said, your argument against In God We Trust is better suited for an Establishment Clause argument. You should be arguing this is government endorsement of religion. Is that not what they were doing? No, because they're using the other strategy here on purpose, because the Establishment Clause argument never works in court. And so the judge is like, yeah, this is stupid. You should go back to the losing strategy, right. which we know as no, it's but, but, but when I bring up the nativity thing, it's, it's more that, like, I 100% think it's inappropriate for nativity scenes to be presented on government property. I also hate seeing this shit in the news because it does not make us look great. It feels really petty. And right. just from and a just from a PR perspective. And this this is and not my a, response to that argument, because I hear that from other people too, is I agree to some extent. It doesn't make us look good. At the same time, listen, what else are you gonna do? Who cares? Again, like yeah, to be clear. It's not that I'm against that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It just like, it's not a thing that I'm like super stoked to (laughs) tell people about. Like there are things that I get really excited that like the secular movement is doing. This isn't necessary. And maybe, and you know what? Maybe I'm part of the problem that like, (laughs) maybe if like bystanders like me were like, you know what? Like this is what I'm going to put all my effort towards. It would, as it were, I'm busy yelling at men. Michael Newdow, uh, I haven't, Ask him specifically for this, but I think if I can read his mind here, he knows that's the response he's right. going to get. Right. So this is his strategy. He's saying, look, uh, by the way, the dissenting, it, it was a 2-1 decision to just keep that that lower court judge who tossed out your case. He was she right. was right. She, um, two to one is the decision here in to keep that lower court decision. The one judge who said Newdow has a point uh-huh. actually said, you all have legal standing to bring the case, or most of you do. Some of them are just... She basically said are dumb, but most of you have legal standing to bring this case and that pursuing this strategy, she said, is a legitimate way to fight it. But uh, and she, but she added in her dissent, that, like, you don't really face a substantial burden. That's the thing. So I'm on your side in terms of strategy. And this is where she deferred, uh, differed from her two other colleagues. Uh. 
But she's like, but you don't really have okay. a case here. In in their defense, as soon as you said that, I just re- I just had my thought of like, we all said that about fucking um, Hobby Lobby too. Like, really, this is really burdens. Really, right. you're losing sleep. You over can't this. sign a form that says we don't want to do this. That was That's their problem. Your bur- so, like, okay, I'm. You know what? I've talked myself into a new opinion. Yeah, it's fucking. Gr- it's bullshit. Like. If it is hard, it's too hard for people in Hobby Lobby to be like, they have to get birth control somewhere else. Then, yeah, it's too fucking hard for me to hand over a quarter. This isn't God we trust because we don't. Yeah. Um, in terms of New Dow strategy, uh, there are 12 appeals courts in the nation. Um, the step- Really? That's it? That's it. They cover the whole country. Five of them now, after this ruling, five of them have not ruled on In God We Trust on the money. Uh-huh. The other ones basically have and said, this is stupid. Go away. <laughs> five more are left. Knowing him, he is going to try to pursue this case in all five of those areas yeah. with plaintiffs who are local to those areas and working with them. Um, Cause again, he has five more chances in his perspective to win this. And is that, is that kosher for you the term to just bounce around to each court? Uh, there's nothing stopping anybody from doing that. In fact, that is a legal strategy in a lot of cases, like uh, uh, the okay. Iowa thing. They tried to restrict abortion to make oh, it as uh-huh. hard as possible. Uh, the strategy there is we need to do it somewhere. Iowa's legislature has the people in it, the Republicans in it to pass this law to uh-huh. basically ban abortion in any meaningful way. And we know it's going to get, we know we're going to get sued for it, and they have. Uh-huh. We know it's going to get appealed, and we may lose that lawsuit too. But, the, but it's going to get to the Supreme Court. They're trying and to they don't. Up, yeah. They don't actually care about that it happened in Iowa. Mm-hmm. They just need it to happen somewhere. It's yeah. a strategy everyone uses. In fact, the if I have this right, the anti sodomy laws, uh, Lawrence v. Texas. I'm sorry, those are still a thing. No, no, no. But oh, like okay. when Jesus. they were when they were a thing, uh-huh. uh, the people who are like, we need to overturn this law because it shouldn't be on the books, even if it's not really enforced. They were like, we just need a test case somewhere yes. where we can file the lawsuits to get it up to the Supreme Court. It happened to be used in Texas. And they were like, we have a test case here. And like the people who are aware of this sort of stuff are like, we're going to pounce on that yeah. and we're going to use that to get to, and they did. So it's like the strategy of bouncing around to see which appeals courts, whatever is totally legit. That's why a lot of church state separation people, they love like the California cases because it's like, sure. that's going to the ninth circuit. And a lot of those ninth circuit judges are fairly liberal. That's changing under Trump. Thank you very much. Jill Stein voters. Like whatever. <sighs> They're the both ninth, the same. The ninth Hillary circuit judges. I swear to fucking God. Tend to be more liberal. So yeah. they're like, we may have a better shot at getting to the Supreme court if we go through the ninth or whatever. So it's a, right. it's a legit strategy that exists. Um, I got two more quick ones for you. You got any others? I've got a rant that I wrote down. Go it was unusual. It. No, no, no. I want to, I want to close out. Okay. Let me bring up, uh, this just happened, I think yesterday, but, um, the Minnesota Archdiocese, uh, not the Minnesota Archdiocese, the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis okay. in Minnesota. Um, they have for years, uh, I'm not going to get into details here, but they've had to deal with the sexual assault, child yes. abuse thing, like many Catholic Things have been going have. great. Yeah. Um, so in 2016, they were trying to settle all of these cases that were brought about. And they were like, we will give the victims of child sex abuse, the ones who have come forward, said our priests have molested you or abused you in some way. 
We'll give you $132 million for all of this to like Per go person, away. right? Not per person. Per, per, all per victim. Yeah. Um, and you know what the victims and their lawyers said? <laughs> Not enough. Keep going. We know you have more money yeah. than that. That sound I made was me flipping double birds because I'm a badass. There you go. <laughs> uh, on Thursday, actually, the Archdiocese announced a new settlement. And this one, the victims very likely will accept. $210 million. Uh, so they upped it a lot. Yeah. $210 million for 450 people. This will go into a pot that will basically be divvied up. Uh, it com- I, did, I did the math Thank already. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I forgot how many it comes out, a million. I it, was really nervous. It comes out to 406. <laughs> it's about $467,000 on average. Uh-huh. Um, now, depending on the type of abuse or whatever happened to individuals, it'll be more or less. Um, but again, this is the largest payout among Churches that have filed for bankruptcy protection, which this diocese has. Really? It is the second largest payout ever because uh, in 2007, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles had to pay out $660 million. Is there a big Catholic population in Los Angeles? Enough. Yeah, I mean, it's Los Angeles. There's yeah, a lot I of people. Guess. But uh, $660 million to 508 victims in Los Angeles. Wow. This is the second largest payout. And... I will give some credit to the Archbishop now, the current one, who I don't... Uh, this is in uh, Minnesota? Yeah. Okay. Who I don't know how much he was involved in the particular cases that were at issue here. But what he said is, one, the settlement allows avoids further litigation and expense, and that allows the church to carry on. Mm-hmm. And then he said to the survivors... I recognize that the abuse stole so much from you, your childhood, your innocence, your safety, your ability to trust, and in many cases, your faith. The church let you down. I'm very sorry. It's the right thing to say, I think. Hey, guys, if you're going to apologize, that's what an apology looks like. Yeah. um, It's not, I'm sorry to anybody who was offended (laughs) by what I said. That's not how an apology The church let you down is an understatement, but at least he said that. No, but... And this, I understand what it costs you is an important thing. Yeah. And again, I don't even know that he's the guy to blame for all of this because I don't know if this guy is the one that's been around forever. Oh God, I, yeah. I feel like so, blaming any one person is right. tricky. And it's not, he's not the guy who lost to them. So right. he's, he's the spokesperson for the Archdiocese right. more or less. Just a, a tag on yeah. that is, um, is I, I want to yeah. sort of make sure we're framing it in a way that, um, so when we talk about lawsuits, we talk about what, what somebody is paid out for for whatever, whether they were hurt or whether they were har- or, you know, harmed in any kind of way. So not only is it about making sure these people get some sort of financial compensation for the physical and emotional pain suffering they went to, but the other side of it is to make it cost so much for the Catholic Church to deal with the repercussions of these these actions that they don't do it again. So I want to yeah. make like when when we <clears throat> say oh they rejected this offer, it's not they. It's are, not they it, wanted more money no, per se. You need to make it hurt yeah. for the cat, and the Catholic Church has money like now, coming out of its eyes. Like, I should point out that this two hundred ten million dollar settlement, a uh-huh. hundred seventy million will probably be covered by their insurance. So the church itself is paying about $40 million. Hey, I'm in, I'm sorry. There is insurance for this. Just really quick. I yeah. don't know how insurance works. Are you telling me there's insurance for... For child rape by priests. How does insurance work? Dude, I would love to know the answer. Hey, hit us up if you know the answer to that. 
Um, I don't know how that works. Is, how is right. the world working? I don't understand. Churches I don't know. can buy rape insurance. I don't know where money comes from or goes to anymore. Yeah. I just don't. Yeah. Money just if, appears for people. If you were Mormon, you would know. Uh, that's you know called a callback. Yeah, that was You're a good callback. Also, <laughs> did you know why there's a big Mormon population in Las Vegas? Because right. in like the 1950s and 60s, when they were like established in Las Vegas, the only people the mobsters trusted to <laughs> I, I God, I'm like 80 percent sure this is true. The only people the mobsters trusted to like run their books were Mormons. Nice. And so to this day, there's a huge Mormon <laughs> population in Las Vegas. I God, I hope that's true. I did see that in the History Channel a while ago. <laughs> then it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody let me know if that's wrong. Because I think, I hope that's a true story because that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, the 40 million that the church actually, the archdiocese guess, has yes, to yeah. cover, quote, will come from parishes, the archdiocese, a pension fund, and real estate sales. So it oh, will Oh, still... they're going to have to sell off their commercial real estate that they've been leasing out to <laughs> fucking UPS. It will still hurt them, but it's not $210 million worth of hurt. Okay. But hey, by the way, all your tithing money, if you're Catholic in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, like the, your tithe money's going to pay out some of these people. So, the, oh my God, I'm like seeing red right now because not when there's no responsibility, there's no... There's yeah. no culpability. I, if you're at a certain, whether you're a company or whether you're a human being at a certain level of power, nothing can fucking hurt you. Here's what I don't know the answer to because it's been a while since I looked up the specifics of the Minnesota case, which is that the priests who are the ones who did the raping and molesting, I don't know if the issue is that they all died because it happened decades I ago. Died. I hope or, they died. I'm mm, saying it on the radio. Mm, or if the, just the statute of limitations had run out and that's why they cool. couldn't Chill do Chill as usual, statute of limitations. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, no one's going to jail as far as I know over this. But at least the church is getting some sort of punishment. You know, the Golden State Killer raped at least 50 people that we know about and he's not going to get it brought up on any of the... Like, yes, he's going to jail, but he's not going to get brought up on any of those charges because the statute of limitations has already run out and I think it's garbage. I don't understand how it works necessarily but <laughs> i hate it thank That's, you oh i'm sorry i woke up my dog but oh, yeah no. i've been slamming uh i got one last one for yeah. you which is a silly story but it exists cool which is i'm gonna close this out yeah. on a bummer <laughs> <laughs> uh we know homeopathic medicine is ridiculous right yes. like the whole idea of that here's one little substance of something that might help you but we're gonna dilute it no no, no, no. i'm water. sorry i want to backtrack yeah. something that might help you that's not true they focus on like cures like so if you can't sleep your sleeping pill is caffeine diluted a zillion times right. so one thing that so might it's, it's not even that it might help you it will definitely hurt you in the long run but if it's diluted enough but yeah yeah but so they're anyway. gonna dilute the hell out of the one thing so we're talking about like one a one, speck of sand in an ocean that's yes. what homeopathy yeah. is um well a doctor in California who has a medical license oh, at, no. of this moment oh, no. is not just selling homeopathy, uh. and he's not just selling homeopathy that he says will cure Ebola, swine flu, and other Yikes. illnesses. He's selling homeopathic sound files that you can download and listen <laughs> to through your headphones. What are you talking about? That's a good question. <laughs> What am I talking about? If you're Wait, listening to I, this... Can I just guess? I, I was going to say, if you're listening to this podcast right now, just think for a moment, what on earth is a homeopathic sound file? Can I guess and can you tell Please me how far off Please do. Okay, so my... <laughs> this is so dumb. My guess is that if 
if the, if the Friendly Atheist podcast was a, was transformed into a homeopathic <laughs> sound file, what it would be is me standing in that mire that's half a mile away <laughs> and going, church. <laughs> but the microphones are still here in my kitchen. I don't think you're that far. Really? Off. Okay, because like that's my understanding. <clears throat> like literally, what I just described is my understanding of homeopathy. Okay, think about a homeopathic <laughs> remedy. <laughs> think about that, and here's what I think he does. Um, I'm going to say it simply, and then I'll read you what he said is on his site. He basically takes vials of the homeopathic treatment, and then puts it in like a wire coil. And records the resulting sound. No, that's worse than the thing I said. <laughs> I thought I was saying the most ridiculous thing I could think of. <laughs> Here's what he says on his website. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'll give you the doctor's name. I don't know why I'm hiding it. Yeah, the doctor's me- name is Dr. William Edwin Gray III. Because there's a lot of this guy. That's a waste of a really cool name. Yeah. Here's what he says. Like, uh, it was found that placing a sealed quartz tube with the treatment containing the remedy had the same effect in in his tests. He's right. Um, Then an electric coil connected to an oscilloscopic... It super had the same effect, ...was put around the tube containing the remedy. The signal was amplified and sent to a coil surrounding another quartz tube containing plain water. He's diluting the sound file. And this was placed in the tadpole water, producing the same effect. Thus, the homeopathic effect is purely electromagnetic. Sounds like None of that makes any sense. But the funniest part about this is he took homeopathic remedies, which is already <laughs> like diluted Garbage. to the point of uselessness, yeah. made it into a sound file, then diluted the sound file. So it's and- extra strong homeopathy. <laughs> And he says this cures Ebola. Ebola. Yeah, no, super responsible. By the way, this guy I'm should not, definitely still be I'm not turning my computer around because that will ruin everything we just did. Uh-huh. But he has diagrams uh, of do, all of wait, this. Wait, I want to look. I'm coming around to look. He, has, he has diagrams of here's the set, test tube and the coil. Are those hand drawn? Oh, no, that's photo. <laughs> that's like. <laughs> this is Microsoft Paint professional. I don't even know it's Microsoft Paint. It might just be a Word doc. And he was like, how do I put shapes in the thing? So, so by the way, the I reason... I mean, it looked very scientific. It had arrows and everything. The reason this is a story is because the state of California, including their attorney general, uh-huh. is now working to revoke his medical license. Oh, right. I know. <laughs> That's uh, incredible. They had a five-page accusation alleging gross negligence and threatening to take away his medical license. Yeah, and all they joking said, aside, that's hella irresponsible. To state the obvious, they said in the thing, quote, there is no well-documented evidence in the peer-reviewed scientific literature that homeopathic remedies can be transmitted electronically via sound waves. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you thank you, you know what's that. weird about this, though? Besides everything, <laughs> this guy went to Stanford Medical School. Real. Like, he went there. Not he like, got in there. Not like... Not Stanford with a PH. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's not Stanford with a PH. It's legit Stanford. And the reason and here's the thing. Here's the sad thing about this. This guy totally doesn't care if they revoke his 
license because he doesn't use his medical license. I mean, this is what I'm saying. There's no, there's people, there's just no consequences <laughs> for people. Yeah, he's a homeopathic practitioner. You know no one Fuck goes it. to Put a homeopathic. This guy in fucking jail. Uh, this man is practicing medicine, quote unquote, practicing medicine. He's yeah. people are coming to him saying like, "You're a doctor. I trust you with my health care," and he's giving them not even garbage, like. Somehow he found a way. Garbage he found a way to make homeopathic medicine even less useful. Which is like that's God, impressive. How in does a way. math do? Because like zero, what's less than right, zero? Like a, a homeopathic remedy is like one in a gazillion. Uh, like that's the active substance. Sure. And he found a way to dilute that in an even more useless way. To it's one in gazillion squared. Um, sad Man, part is I took classes on infinity. It's been a long time since you've done really math, somebody. This guy actually said, you know what? If they take away my license, like, quote, fighting the board. still make the rest of the money. Yeah, fighting matter. the board, fighting the medical board, like, would cost too much money. Frankly, I think we'd lose anyway. He doesn't care because the people who would go to him are, they're they not impressed they by care. your titles. They're just like, give me something. Um, they're not impressed by his Stanford medical degree. They're impressed by a confident guy who could say, I have a cure for Ebola. So I think Stanford graduates should sue him and be like, you made me look like an asshole because I also graduated <laughs> from Stanford and look at you. Look at yourself. Yeah. So that is a thing that really exists, that guy. So tell me about this rant. So I've been thinking about this for the last 24 hours. Um, so essentially, so it's Friday the June first. Happy June! It's I think hey, officially summer. It's finally nice out. You've got a tan line from your glasses, so that's how I know I'm, you're a summer boy. I'm just brown. <laughs> no, no, no. You have a really cute like nose bridge. Oh, thank you. It's really nice looking. <laughs> I was like, Hammett, you're really brown today. <laughs> he didn't take his compliment. Uh, okay. So I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about what's been going on in the last 24, sort of the last 24-hour news cycle from when we're recording um, with regard to Roseanne Barr and Samantha Bee. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I want to be clear that this all hit home to me in a very real way because I, as a woman in podcasting, Basically, like every other iTunes review is about either my language or my voice or my tone or how loud I am or how much I laugh or how much I interrupt Hammett and his really important musings that cannot be interrupted. <laughs> I detect sarcasm in that no, statement. Hammett, you're very smart. Um, so, so this sort of like really like insightful look on language and its use and what it means, I think is very interesting and, and pertinent to sort of my, my life. So, um, so two big stories we've seen, if you're not aware of it, bless your heart, like you're living your best life. So we saw two uh, big stories regarding famous women saying shit about other famous women, women. And if that is sort of all you look at it, it does feel like two very similar stories. Um, it's really easy to point them and say the left is as bad as the right. So, so Roseanne Barr made a racist, uh, slur. Oh fuck. I forgot. Her yeah. Name. She, Valerie Jarrett. Thank you. Valerie Jarrett. Um, Comparing her to um, M, an ape or something. The Planet of the Apes <clears throat> and the gang in um, Los Angeles. MS thirteen. MS thirteen. Thank you. Um, so that's what she did, and there was and just flat out just she's like, like not even not padded even pro- or contextualized. Yeah. It was just like this plus this equals her Valerie initials. Jared, yeah. Um, and then about 24 hours later, or I guess that evening, but it, it broke the news cycle, um, Samantha B um, called Ivanka Trump a feckless cunt, 
which God is a top shelf insult. <laughs> Wait, so I didn't get to see this episode because I was out okay. of the country and I went to go look for it. It's not even on YouTube right now. They took down oh, the whole episode. I just watched the clip um, before to yeah. make sure I had. But my understanding of this, tell me if I'm wrong, is that she was basically saying, Ivanka, you have influence over your father. Yes. So as a mother. Yes. Uh, do something about immigration, yes. you feckless cunt. That was the context. Exactly. Um, and it specifically was was sort of a nodding toward the tone-deaf nature of a tweet that uh, Ivanka Trump put out over the weekend. So there's been this... this um, this new study, or not new study, but new reports are coming out that there's something like 1,500 kids um, who cross the border, some illegally, some super illegally, and were unceremoniously torn from their parents and put in separate detention centers, maybe across the country, even if they, and I want to be clear, even if they're coming across the border legally, they were still torn apart. And these are kids as young as 18 months. We're not talking like 16-year-old kids who might be okay. And the damage that this kind of thing can do to a child that young is, is untold. This is going to fuck that kid up. Even if everything is like righted from here on out, that is a psychological toll that is going to be taken out of that kid. Um, so, so uh, what Samantha B was saying was, okay, while in the news cycle we're talking about children, and I'm sorry, I, I did not even finish the shit that's going down. Not only were these kids ripped from their parents. But then the federal government subsequently lost track of 1,500 of them. They don't necessarily know where they are. And honestly, not that concerned about it. They're fine. They're three. They can make their way in the world. They can reach shelves almost. Um, so, so this is what Samantha B. was referring to. So Samantha to. B. was saying, like, in the context, like, not only have you been standing behind your father who said horrible things about women, enacted policies that were harmful towards women, all while you're pretending to be the, this this champion of the working woman. Um, how could you do that? And then in addition, uh, Ivanka put out this this tweet or Instagram or whatever on, I think, Sunday of her with her, with her kid. A, a very sweet picture of her just being like, oh, best part of my day or whatever. And many people saw that as extremely tone deaf to be like, hey, we're dealing with this national crisis of, you know, 1500 see their kids, not even that, not even that they can't see their kids, but they don't know where their kids are. And our government took them away. That's not great for us as a country that feels much more like 1930s Germany than anything else. Um, so that's the context of, of, of what Samantha B said. So I am willing to have the conversation that what what Samantha B said was maybe unhelpful or not helping our cause or sort of damaging our side. And I think I could be convinced. I'm honestly sort of on the fence. Do I think feckless cunt is an excellent insult? Yes. <laughs> I will go to my grave thinking that. Could I be convinced that like that was sort of an inappropriate thing to say? Also, yes. Like That's not the hill I'm going to die on. But I want to make sure that we don't blur these two news stories together because they happen so close and they are on the surface very similar. So Roseanne Barr said an extremely racist thing. Um, she made a comment about, about this woman, this accomplished woman, based solely on her race and based on nothing else. All she commented on was, she looks like this. And it was so it was very superficial. What Samantha B said was that... Um, 
she said a really, I wrote a lot of this down because I was mad earlier. Um, she said a really mean thing about a woman based on that woman's um, aggressive refusal to help the women and children she pretends to champion. The comment, yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Um, so to post a minimally lovely picture of Ivanka and her kid is toned up to say the least. To be clear, you can take issue with name calling. You can say cunt is a misogynist word. It arguably is. Do I like saying it? Yes. It's very <laughs> satisfying to say phonetically. Um, you can say that we sunk to her level. Those are all okay arguments. But as soon as you start equating Roseanne Barr to what Samantha B said, that's when I have a huge problem. Um, so Lindy West, before the Samantha B thing came out, wrote a like must-read article in the New York Times, which I fucking love Lindy West. She, if you haven't read her book, Shrill, it's excellent. Um, she said, quote, Roseanne was not canceled because it's mean or horrible to, comp- to compare a black person to an ape, though... It is both of those things. It was canceled because it carries the weight of both historic horrors and current atrocities. Because comparing a black person to an ape nods to a historically rooted yet increasingly emboldened far-right hate movement whose chosen figurehead, Donald Trump, is the president of the United States. Because it's our collective responsibility to not let that movement win, to fight to be a better country, and right now cultural power is all we have. So basically saying somebody is did a shitty thing is not the same thing as calling somebody calling somebody a racist name is not the same thing as calling somebody a racist. Cause one can thing I, is yes, please. Can I take issue with what she said there, Go ahead. which is that I don't know that ABC canceled it cause she just went over the line because Roseanne has gone over the line all the time that and they is, were fine with it when she was making the money. Yes. But the second this thing happened, it's yes. like advertisers are going to boycott it. People are going to talk shit about it, as they should yeah. for a long time. It's not going to make them look good. This is, and they were like, you know what? We're not fighting this for you. It's not worth it. So I actually have something. I think ABC might have been even a little more nefarious in this. And this is like me kind of grasping at conspiracies, yeah. which I normally don't want to do, but this is sort of where I... Spun out to because to me, lining up sort of the chain of events, Roseanne Barr has long since been anti Semitic. She's long since been conspiratorial. She's long since been racist. These are not new things. These were things that happened way before Roseanne got picked up. They are things that are continuing to happen now. So, what? So is it that they thought, okay, we're going to give Roseanne this show. She needs to like keep a muzzle on it at least while we are paying her, and then she can say whatever she wants, which is really fucked up because they are bringing on a known racist. Right. So my conspiracy theory is that they wanted this chip to play. They thought they could, again, I don't even know if I believe this, but it's just one of those things like that I like talked myself into. Well, essentially, the they wanted to be able to make their stand of like, we are anti racist, we will punish people who say shit. Um, and so they brought on this woman, they said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna start this show, it's gonna be a cash cow. Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't say that, I don't know that if they knew it was going to be, it ended up being a cash cow, but. W- we will also have the moral high ground of pulling the plug on it when she inevitably says something horrible. So we can have both sides of the of the um, sort of... I don't know if they went into it thinking that. And the only reason I say that is because, like, again, they knew what they were signing up for. Right. So and it's just surprising that, like, really it took you this long. What about... It's, it's all those people who are, like, those Republicans who are, like, well, Donald Trump did this thing yesterday, 
And so now I'm not so sure I support right, it. Like, why is this? Why is this the, the tipping point, breaking point for you? Yeah, I completely agree. I like my sort of the most nefarious reading of it from me is just saying they wanted to have both sides of the the culture war. They wanted and to. They, won it. they, they got them both. They did. They wanted to bring back Roseanne as this Trump supporting white collar con- show, as if like as if Roseanne's the only show that's ever like been about a white collar family. It's not like it's objectively not. Um, they wanted to have that so they look good in the eyes of the the Trump voters of of America or the people who feel like they're ignored by the quote unquote liberal elites. But now they also have this moral high ground of saying like, oh, she said one thing too many. Yeah. And I don't know. That's sort of my conspiracy theory about I hear it. You. Um that brought up a thing. We've talked to Bart Campolo on this podcast several times. His father, Tony Campolo, is a famous evangelical pastor. Mm-hmm. He said this thing that I think falls into this. The for the people who get really upset that Samantha B said the word cunt. Yeah. Uh, here's what Tony Campolo once said in a famous sermon or in an interview or something. I have three things I'd like to say to you today to a Christian audience. First, while you were sleeping last night, 30,000 kids died of starvation or diseases related to malnutrition. Second, most of you don't give a shit. Wow. What's worse is that you're more upset with the fact that I said shit than the fact that 30,000 kids died last night. And so for the That's people very good. for the people who are more upset about the fact that she said cunt, think about the reason that she yes. said it, because that has a purpose. And the whole argument that makes sense is by saying cunt, you overshadow the message yes. that you were trying to get across, which and is important. Listen, and that's a, that's an argument we can have all right. day of like, is my, because sw- I get, God, I, like the iTunes comment or the emails we get or whatever, people are, the, the sort of refrain I hear over and over again is, just you and Hemet could be great ambassadors for the atheists, but your swearing puts people off, and so you're <laughs> fucking it up. It's right. honestly like you've read it all. Like it's not that's not an unusual thing for me to get. It, like weekly, right. we get something to that effect. Um, and but if that's what you're paying attention to, you're missing the point. Exactly. Is there an um, is there a conversation to say like, do we need to like talk to people in their language so they understand? Maybe like it, it, it's. But that's not what's happening here right now. People are pretending to be mad at the at the at a thing so they can ignore the other thing. Um, Matthew uh, Fleischer uh, for the LA Times also wrote, so he wrote a piece more specifically comparing. Essentially, his headline was "Did Did Samantha B and Roseanne both say shitty things? Yes. Are they the same? No. And mm-hmm. it's, it's again another thoughtful piece. Um, he said, "Quote." Um, Barr's comments belittle an entire race of people and help spread paranoid fear of a Jewish global order. Dehumanizing entire groups of people as such puts them in danger of violent reprisal and helps justify the stripping of their civil rights. You're just chugging that wine, buddy. Hemet forgets to drink his wine through the whole show, and then when I get up on rants, he's like, it's my chance. (laughs) Um, Quote, there's no such inherent threat in B's vulgarity. Rather, equating crudeness with Roseanne's outlish tweets normalizes racism and anti-Semitism. That the White House would issue a full-throated condemnation of B, which he super did. And Mm -hmm. sorry, guys, if we're going to talk about First Amendment rights, the government saying a show should be canceled, that's what the First Amendment (laughs) is about. It's not about, like... Uh, me swearing about ABC and, saying we're going to cancel Roseanne. That's not First Amendment. Um, wh- oh, so sorry, the, <laughs> I distracted myself. W- that w- the White House would issue a, f- 
issue a full-throated condemnation of B while the president offered a dog-whistling defense of Barr speaks volumes, which he... Su- like tr- So this weekend, we had the all the kids who went missing. We found out that the death toll in Puerto Rico is thousands higher than what the government said. And the thing that got a rise out of the president is that Roseanne Barr's show got canceled. And, and like, Samantha B said a swear. And Samantha B said... That's the shit he's mad about. And yeah. it's... It's ins- it, it, it's just I, I cannot I can't. Um, what else did I say? Uh, sorry, GOP. It's hard to see you clutch your pearls when we have De- President Donald J. Trump in the White House. Um, yeah, I, I just I think this is a good um, moment to sort of take a breath and see what we're really mad about and what's worth being mad about. If you're if you listener are sincerely mad about me swearing, fine. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> if what you're actually married, ma- mad about is that like a woman is loud, then maybe like fucking look that into your <laughs> look into your dark soul and figure <laughs> out what the fuck is going on. If you're really mad that Samantha B called Ivanka Ivanka a cunt, fine. But like, is you should that be madder at why she did it? Exactly. Like, is that the is that where your rage is most helpful right mm. now? Um, so that's all I wanted to say about that. Oh, okay. The sarcastic clapping is it not. It wasn't sarcastic. I like it. I, <laughs> did I tell you? I was playing softball a couple weeks ago, and the team was real assholes, and they gave me the game ball sarcastically, and it was the worst <laughs> moment of my life. <laughs> nice. Oh, I'm such a nightmare to be around. Okay. Um, <laughs> we, so we have no that's listen- enough. Yeah, we have no week. listener mail this week because we. Because whatever. I forgot I mean. it was a thing I needed to get until. That's okay. This is still a longer minutes. episode than all the other. Is it? Um, Hemant, really quick, you're you're uh, you're happy thing. I'm home. Yeah, and you're almost like home home. Almost. <laughs> oh, what a <laughs> time day. to be alive. Um, I've got two things. Yes. Um, one is that I'm super psyched. I'm going to be downtown tomorrow night. I'm going to see, the, you know, Ju- you know, John Hodgman. Yes. Um, he has a podcast called judge John Hodgman. No, I know yes. you don't know him fucking personally. Otherwise I would change that. <sighs> I bet he'd be our friend. John hit us off. <laughs> John, John, it's me, Jessica. <laughs> Your close personal friend. You're seeing him I'll live? probably shake. Yeah. So he has a podcast called judge John Hodgman with uh, Jesse Thorne. And they literally, it's people who are like, my husband does this thing that annoys me. We're going to take it to court. And John Hodgman is like the faux judge. And it's very self-serious. It's okay. hysterical. So that's tomorrow night. So I'm going downtown nice. with my husband and my brother and his girlfriend. And I'm like super stoked about it. The other thing is I think I can officially um, announce that I'm having my first like public speaking Ooh, gig. Where are you speaking? Uh, so I was invited to speak for the Humanists of Houston. Um, in October, so it's October. Shit, I have October tenth. That doesn't feel right, though. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Way Jessica. Way to bring everyone. God to damn the it, group. Jessica! Figure your life out. Twentieth. So spe- okay. October twentieth. So I will be at, um, speaking at their monthly um, uh, their monthly meeting. That's awesome! Um, Congratulations. I'm, not, I'm nervous and excited and very flattered. This is the first That's time awesome. anyone's asked me to like be anywhere. <laughs> and I don't think anyone knows what I look like, so I'm not like super psyched about that either. <laughs> like I'm just. Um, so yeah, if you live in Houston or the surrounding areas and you're free on October 20th, P.S. I'm going to be in Houston twice in the month of October. <laughs> what is my life? That's awesome. Um, so anyway, I'm, it's a good city. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to eat a lot of and food. And a good probably. group, by the way. 
Yeah, I, I've heard nothing but good things. I don't know, any, like, Hemant's the one who knows everyone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> their president reached out to me, and I was like, did she, did she mean to reach out to Hemant? Did she make a mistake again? <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. If you're in Houston, go see Jess October 20th. I'm super stoked about it. Um, yeah, so that's happening. That's very exciting. I'm, I'm sw- like, I just started sweating thinking about it. I'm very nervous. Um so, yes, Hemant, where can I find you on Twitter? Uh, Hemant Meta. Uh, I'm around. Just throw Just my pen on the ground? It fell. My best pen. Uh, I'm I made at- like four <laughs> wrong turns on the way to get here. That's how disoriented oh, I am buddy, today. Oh, buddy, do you need me to drive you home? <laughs> You've come here once a week for like six months. I know. Um, I my- was driving for the first time in like a month today, it felt oh, like. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Um, you can follow me there. Hey, every time somebody says something really shitty about me in the iTunes comment, I take a screen grab and I tweet <laughs> it. So if you want to see what people say that are me- that's mean about me, that is the place for you follow to find her on it. Twitter. Yeah, uh, you can see where find that. Um, go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Friendly Anthes Podcast, our next um, donation thing is fuck. What's our next transcripts? I believe transcripts, which We're is really cool. We're gonna try to get you transcripts, which I, is weird. Oh my god! Because I don't know no if I one need should remember exact quotations. But for some of you who like reading instead of or listening, for, or you whatever, know, the deaf and hard of hearing community yep. can be more a part of it. Um, all that good stuff. So we'll try working on I that don't know how goal. well our garbage will translate. I know. Um, and then beyond that is a live show, and yeah. uh, that that's that's kind of exciting too. Um. I think that's all we well, have. We'll talk to you oh, next week. Oh, yeah. You week, know what? Right? Um, if you want to get listener mail in, so if you need advice mm-hmm. or um, have any thoughts that you want us to talk about, friendlyantheistpodcast at gmail.com. Um, my uh, next episode of Fables is going to be released soon. It was definitely supposed to be released a while ago. I'm home we're, now. We're doing our best. Um, so that's going to so will Star uh, Wars, be me by and the my way. husband. Do you know how many people are... People tweeting like me who are like, it. yeah. This you know needs who else is mad about soon. it? My husband. <laughs> <laughs> Every Friday he's like, so we're going to watch it tonight? And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. he's a liar <laughs> and a cheat. And he cheated you all of your money. No, That's what's happening. I'll work it out. No, it's oh, going to happen. I saw the new Star Wars movie over the weekend. There's a new one? Yeah. How many of these do I have to catch up on? No, you don't have to. We're just going to watch the first one. Oh, Although, if I had my druthers, we would watch The Force Awakens because it's much better. Um, this totally yeah. went over my head. Don't worry about it. It was okay. I, it was as long as I don't have to do the Marvel Universe thing, because there's a bunch of those. Uh, I would argue those are reasonably entertaining, at sure least. Man. You know how many times I use my movie pass? It's expired. Why now. do you have a movie pass? I don't know. Haven't what? My husband got a movie pass. He uses it, was it three literally. Months. He uses it so frequently that they're like, "Can you send us pictures of your tickets? Because we think you're <laughs> scamming us." I literally used it zero times. Stupid children. Okay, so you got the movie pass you didn't use. You got the pasta pass you used it once I know, with I'm so me. Sad. What are your goals, Hemant? I don't know. For I'm somebody so who doesn't ever want to leave the house, you buy a lot of things that would make you leave the house. I figure it would be motivation, and I'm wrong every time. And you have just, you know, podcasters make so much money, they just have that disposable <laughs> income. They don't have to. It's work. like a Christmas gift that just goes <laughs> wrong every. Okay, uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.